This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. And welcome into Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by the one and only Dan Kovacevic. Dan, glad to have you here. We got a whole lot ahead of us this week. Just a little, right? Just a little bit. There's a lot to talk about. Again, I keep saying that's such a good thing that mm -hmm. we're really in the midst of it. Let's dive right into NFL football. The Steelers. Chase Claypool had an unbelievable game this past week. What he was able to do as a rookie, there were just so many questions about rookies coming into the season. How were they going to perform? How were they going to adjust, especially with a wide receiver? How is he going to build that trust with his quarterback, not having the OTAs, not having the traditional rookie midi camp? Safe to say, things are looking just fine yeah, for Chase the Claypool. Funny thing is, um, in, in sports, in the business of covering sports, as you and I are, uh, we can occasionally try to play expert ourselves and maybe get in a little bit of trouble yeah. where you just ask the people that are participating and leading and following in the actual games. When you go back to the very beginning of training camp, you heard two names being repeated again and again. It was Chase Claypool and Alex Highsmith. Now, Alex Highsmith's in a different boat. He was a third round pick. He can't get on a field because he's got a couple of guys in front of him. It's hey. EJ Watt and Bud Dupree, but they love what they see of him. Chase Claypool, they never had a doubt. No. We might have thought, oh, second round pick, you know, we'll see how. They didn't doubt it. No. Ben didn't doubt it. Uh, you and I saw him at Heinz Field meshing with Ben immediately, yep. uh, breaking out on routes, perfect timing. The ball is just waiting there for him or vice versa. The two of them had something going right away. Whether that's chemistry or whether that's just both of them are that talented and that knowledgeable, who cares? Yeah, he's making it look so good and so effortless for someone as young as he is. Yeah. It's also interesting to hear what Ben is saying, you know, in terms of what Chase Claypool does sometimes with even mental things. You know, we hear Ben, I think it was after the game on Sunday, we heard Ben say, you know, hey, look, He's a rookie. He's still going to make some mistakes, but you watch. He's not going to make the same mistake twice. And some of it is just improvisation. Yeah. I mean, there's the third Nate at the <sighs> Philadelphia 35. You know what I'm going to talk about. Yep. And Chase Claypool lines up just to the left of the line of scrimmage, a place that, according to Ben, he had literally never lined up once. Nope. Not in camp, not in practices, nothing. And there he is, and he's looking across from a Philadelphia linebacker who couldn't move with him if he had jetpacks on. <laughs> There's no chance. And and he Ben looks at Chase Claypool and probably thinks he's going to like make some kind of eye contact and then he just yells out what to do and as <laughs> Chase Claypool's joking later he's going the whole Philadelphia defense knew what play is coming. Yep. Didn't matter. They couldn't stop him couldn't no stop matter what. It. Couldn't stop it. Now there's a special up here to what you're talking about for him for it's one thing to memorize plays yep. it's another thing to not make mistakes it's a different thing altogether for him to just that's a playground move yeah that's yeah. all that is and that's a that's a player with elite football instincts and so I guess this poses the question here who is Ben's true number one receiver is it Claypool is there a true number one receiver or is it kind of what at least in my mind what we've been seeing a little bit where it's kind of a different guy every game they kind of play into some of the matchups here well according to Ben if you picked up on that one this morning because he threw it in just like this yep. like Ben always finds a way to slide <laughs> something under the door the number one receiver according to Ben is Juju Smith Schuster uh, 
Ben feels like he still has to take care of Juju. Yep. Uh, he still feels like Juju's getting the most attention, and by that I mean from the opponent. Of course. That's almost always the way football people assign that designation. Who is the other team most afraid of? Yep. It's not what we think. It's not, it, it's not even what the Steelers think. It's what the opponent thinks. They still worry the most about Juju. Now, maybe the Cleveland Browns won't. No. But Juju has also burned the Browns for long, big plays. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, in, in my mind right now, the number one receiver on this team is going to be the one that Ben feels the most comfortable targeting is getting the best separation. And that's neither of those guys. Mm -hmm. That's Deontay Johnson. Yep. Amazing stat for you. The Steelers receivers have the lowest degree of separation of any team in the league. They rank 32nd out of 32 teams. They can't get open. No. But that tells you how great Ben has been. And, that's, and it also tells you how much they're going to value Deontay yep. because he does get open. And just to show what they've been able to do, I mean, you look at the season Ben is having up to this point. It's one of the best starts, if not the best start, I believe, in his career through these four games here with his touchdowns to um, interception ratio. Through I mean, everything, everything other than mass yardage yeah. because he's not hitting the deep ball yet. But no. wait till he does. <laughs> and he keeps saying he keeps working on that. And I think it's been so fun to watch him be really overly critical about himself. It was so interesting to hear uh, Mike Tomlin talk about, you know, he had such that perspective last year of watching for so many games that he's really able to kind of self-evaluate more so than normal. Ben used to be accused, and I think to some degree rightly, of not being the most cerebral quarterback. He didn't go to the line of scrimmage thinking, hmm, how shall I dissect this defense? He just thought, here's me, here's that guy, I'm putting it up, yep. okay? Well, he has reached the point in his career, as he seemed to talk about uh, today to an extent, that he understands, I'm 38 years old, I'm going to be doing some different things here. And what he's done has been outstanding. And, you know, people say the Steelers have played nothing but bad teams, nothing but bad teams. The Philadelphia Eagles were ranked top five defensively in pretty much everything. Yep. And number one in sacks. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. And everyone keeps saying, too, it's this is the NFL. These are the best players, oh, yeah. the best players. Sure, you're playing teams with losing records, but you still have to go out there every single week and compete against the best guys oh, in the league. Tell tell your right guard that Malik Jackson stinks because he plays for a 1-2-1 and one team. <laughs> I mean, it's just I mean, the, he, Malik Jackson was steamrolling whoever the Steelers put there. Yep. That's just how that goes. There's still great players that you have to account for. And that's what the Steelers have been doing. Mm -hmm. Well, coming up after the break, we're talking about a former Steeler and a lot of controversy. I know there's a ton of Steelers fans that had a Oh, whole... no one's tuning away now. No, stick with us on <laughs> Halftime Adjustments. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dane Kovacevic. Dane, we talked about the Steelers. Now let's jump to former Steelers because Tuesday night there was shocking news, although predictable if you want to look at it in that sense, if you've really been following the NFL a little bit, in the fact that former Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell released by the Jets. It kind of was one of those, you know, hey, there's Tuesday Night Football, we're going to sneak this in here, and it exploded. I know Steelers fans and Steelers, you know, people in Pittsburgh had 
lots to say about this. I just want to get your initial thoughts on this whole situation to start. Well, my initial thoughts are two words. No way. Get it out of your head. It ain't happening. <laughs> He's not coming back here. Uh, the Steelers don't have a need for an additional running back, and it's not enough to look at their depth chart and say, well, he's better than Jalen Samuels because most people are better than Jalen Samuels. The difference is that Jalen Samuels can run the plays that are in the current playbook. The difference is that Jalen Samuels can be your dutiful yep. number five guy. He's not going to come in and wake, make waves. He's not going to make rap videos. He's not going to do the other stuff that Lev does. Lev is not a bad dude. I hate to, when, when people lump him in with Antonio Brown, uh, this is one of the nicer, friendlier people I've dealt with on the Steelers beat in years. He's great to be around. Yeah. He's just not somebody who is focused on winning a team championship, and that doesn't help you. That's the part that hurts. Uh, you could say the same thing. This is where there is a, a similarity with A.B. A.B. worked harder than anyone, outworked everyone on the field in practices and everything else. But you know what? His head wasn't there. It wasn't with winning a team championship. Other priorities, including goofy stuff, as we saw really goofy stuff, yep. would get in the way. You don't need that. This team's 4-0. What is anybody thinking even why are we talking about this? You know, it's something I feel like the Twitter sphere, especially Pittsburgh Steelers Twitter sphere, just yeah. blew up yesterday. And it's interesting because, like you said, you've had this perspective. I came here. I haven't. I never saw what Le'Veon Bell was like in this locker room. But so many people are so quick to put him in AB oh, in that no, no, same no, no. basket. No, no, he's he's not that. And no. I, and look, what ended up happening with him was that he a, a bad agent gave him bad agent's advice. Yep cost him a ton of money mm -hmm. he ends up going to the Jets with a terrible match for a head coach Adam Gase had made known known that he didn't want Le'Veon Bell management gets him anyway so right off the fact there's a there's a bad mix there then he has a bad quarterback and a bad offensive line and no wide receivers and everything else that goes on and he ends up averaging 2.9 2.9 yards per carry for those of you who are still interested in him, that's 51 out of 53 running backs yep. over the last two years. Which you look at the stats and it's just, I mean, granted, the Jets were awful, but the ground game, that is all his, you know, forte and so much more. And it was just not solid. His, like when I was researching his numbers last night to make sure I had everything correct, it was you look at there. it, you're like, there's nothing. Nope. Absolutely nothing. No, he, Four touchdowns, three receiving across one season. He for, was show, and again, some of this is because he has no quarterback. Yeah. He has Sam Darnold. He has whatever. Okay, I mean, they're the Jets. Between the two teams in New York, they're 0-10. Okay? I mean, and it's honest. Yeah. Uh, he has performed well occasionally, Jenna. We mm -hmm. saw it when he faced the Steelers. Maybe he was a little bit more geeked up or focused or whatever it is. But you see these flashes of what he can still be, uh, that delayed reaction, that, uh, that Eddie George late hit to the hole. Uh, but even that, even that requires an adjustment and a learning period for your offensive line. I used to hear that from the linemen constantly, where they would say, there's just a different way you've got to block for left. Not bad, not good, it's just different. Yeah. Because he hits the hole so late, they have to hold the block a little bit longer, maybe not be as rough, just more just like getting somebody's way. And then, so for Lev can look back from, from, from the backfield and go, ooh, that one. Oh, wait, no, 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 that one. Yep. That's what he would do. Uh, 
look at who the Steelers' current running backs are. They're not that. That's totally so you different. have this offensive line, which, by the way, is banged up and having people go in and out. The last thing you want is, hey, here's a whole new way to block, guys. But only when this guy gets the ball. But only this guy. And we've seen the usage of the Steelers running back so far, which has been an interesting thing as well. I don't, it has. We didn't expect that entirely to happen. But, again, I think, is that a little bit of Matt Canada's influence, do we think? Uh Right now, the, the, the primary influence is that Mike Tomlin sees James Conner as his guy. Yep. Uh, there are situational things we've seen, some of them, like you said, surprising. Uh, Benny Snell comes on to kill the game. Yeah. How about that? I mean that in a good way. Uh, Benny Snell comes on at the end. Uh, and remember that Benny obviously had the couple of fumbles early, and you would think that's the last situation you'd want him. But they've, they've told him, listen, you do this, you hold this ball as if your life depends on it. And get us a first down. Bingo. And he's done it. He's done it really well. And he's fresh when he comes in. It's a neat strategy. Yeah. The other team wants no part of facing a Benny Snell in the no. final minute or two. So it, it's it's almost there, Jenna, but it's not quite. Because we, we saw Anthony McFarland really involved a couple weeks ago. And then we didn't see him as much this yeah. time. So it might be opponent-based. But it, the point is, it's a good running back group yep. already. Yep. I can say casually here well, they don't need levy on bell and then james connor's going to hold his hamstring on sunday oh, see you wanted levy on bell you didn't want levy on you if you'd have gotten levy on bell you'd have had an answer uh, they feel like they have running backs yeah they have more than enough guys capable in that room and also again the depth of this offense we keep i feel like we keep coming back to that because it is so deep and they have so many mismatches they're able to exploit those and just really able to figure out exactly oh, yeah. what they want to do it's funny and you're talking about running we're only talking about running backs but who have been their most dynamic threats running the ball it's been ray ray mcleod on the on the reverse it's been uh, Deontay, when he's in there, James Washington has done well on those reverses as well. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of different things that they can do as an offense. You're right. A lot of versatility, mm -hmm. and I know that gets Steelers fans incredibly excited. Well, we're moving to the ice coming up after the break. Stick with us on Halftime Adjustments. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dan Kovacevic. Dan, we got the football talk out of the way. Let's go to hockey because, hey, why not? Let's do it. It's the market. It's the market. We're talking about it. And free agency, the Penguins made some moves. I know it felt, it was so funny to me because I think, especially when the Murray trade happened, it just felt like it was like, Oh, it's happening. We, you know, it was it was expected. We're like, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, we knew it was coming, but I think there's still that initial shock of, oh, it happened. This is happening. I think one of the biggest questions is Jim Rutherford kind of said in his end of the season press conference with us after they fell to Montreal in the first round of the playoffs. He said, you know, this team needs to get better. Did they do that in free agency? Well, he thinks so. Uh, he he told our site that uh, Dave Molinari, our hockey reporter, yesterday that he feels that the Penguins are better. Now, he also said that last year, but you know what? They actually were better last year than the year before. Yep. Uh, I think people will forget that because they saw the same result in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the Islanders swept them the year before, and then the, the 24th seeded Canadians end up taking you out uh, in, you know, in four games of a best of five. This is going to be a better team, and I'll say that for one reason alone just to isolate on it I feel like this is a better top six group of forwards 
that makes more sense. Yeah. Instead of having all these left shots on the right side, right shots on the left side, wingers up and down, Dominic Simone going on your first line, uh, not to go for the low-hanging fruit, but, I mean, that's what a lot of people would complain about. Then yeah. Connor Sherry comes along. Uh, after he had done nothing in Buffalo, he comes here and does, you know, not much more than nothing. Exactly. Uh, they were looking primarily, Jim was looking primarily for how do I fix this top six? Because if you're going to have a roster that is built around two, not just generational, legendary talents. Absolutely. You're talking about two of the, two of the sports best players of all time. Ever. Still. If that's going to be your roster composition, you had better do right by them on both flanks. Yep. And I like it. I mean, Kasperi Kapanen on one side of Sid, Jake Gensel on the other. Brian Rust on one side of Gino, Jason Zucker on the other. What, what's the only hole in this I can find is who's going to back check on the first line. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Which, like, I mean, but if that's the biggest issue there, I mean, you're doing far better than a decent amount of the teams in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I mean, Kasperi Kapanen is not going to be the guy that they had. They, they like, Jake and Sid loved having Dom Simone go take out the trash for them. Absolutely. Hey, Dom, when you get done back checking, <laughs> we'll be right here. We're huh? here ready. And, and it's just, you know, that's not going to work with no. this kid that they brought. So crazy idea. What if it's Sid? I'm serious. Yeah. If we're going to talk about Sid, as we do every year, as being this Selkie Trophy type of player, this great defensive forward, and he's getting, you know, a little older, what do you think? Oh, my gosh. You're throwing me on the spot here. I am. This is, I, you know... As someone who's kind of seen this team and this organization from afar for so many years, mm -hmm. he's always the one that you look at. He's always the one that you look to, of course. But then those question marks do pop up. You know, is is it him? And obviously, I mean, he is who he is. And again, they, the fact that they have him and Gino, those are your two centers, your first and second line guys. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable the talent that this team has. But again, I mean, He's someone that is always going to have that drive. He's always going to have that perseverance where he goes out there in practice right. and he is that first guy. But right. I, I mean, I don't want to. I, I don't want to say that. That's because what I mean. Because you, you, you cringe at thinking of him not being in on the forecheck. Yeah. Now with Gino, it comes naturally. Gino's it, been coming late his whole career. Gino just comes through the neutral zone, waiting to see what already materialized up ice. Yeah. Okay, that's his thing. With Sid, this would be very, very different. And you're not going to teach, going to repeat this, Jake or Kasperi, how to defend. No. They're not going to be that conscientious player. No. Uh, and I'm not sure that you want them to be. Kasperi Kapanen will literally be the fastest player on the roster, according to Rutherford. Which at any position. is something that the they The last thing you want is him hanging out in the back going... <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm. Anybody needs me, oh, you know. Here. Just me call know. me Dom, you know. <laughs> it's like, it, no, it doesn't play into his strength at all, and that's something that Rutherford said. This team needed to get younger and quicker, and, and they did. They did exactly. So utilize it. Absolutely. So if Sid just does that, taking this further, if Sid just does that, and he's only focused on that sort of thing at five on five, yep. the Penguins, 
as a whole improve five on five, get more power plays. Sid still gets his points. And there it is. And That's... don't tell me Sidney Crosby can't adjust to something. <laughs> you know what I mean? If anybody can, right. it's him. If you right. tell him to do whatever, he's going to make those adjustments to be better for the team because this team is also very frustrated with what's happened in the postseason for the last two Should years. Should be. Without a doubt. Should be. With the talent that they have. I feel like we talked Every about that Every year all the that time. goes by with Sid and Gino that you don't win a cup is, is an L. Yeah. And they have a chance now, I think, with this top six. And, of course, Jim has, you referenced the other moves, bringing in Mark Jankowski, bringing Evan Rodriguez back. They never should have let him go. Nope. Uh, they have a bottom six that'll be Eh, whatever. I mean, it'll, it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. you know, and that it's not... third line, I mean, that was a huge point of emphasis for him. And now that they have that McCann can go to his true position. Not that's center. A huge, yeah, not that's center. His position. He doesn't need not to. Not center. Yeah. <laughs> I put him on either wing. He's a left winger, I feel like. I'm yes, trying to remember he that. Is. That's more of his strength. But again, when you have to interchange and move guys in and out of what they're comfortable doing versus what they're not comfortable doing, they're hockey players. They're going to adjust. But at the same time, give a guy his strength and all of a sudden we're seeing a lot more results you know you're getting that mm -hmm. secondary scoring and you know you're winning more games in tighter situations yeah. because and you have that depth. from there the rest of the roster is are you going to be able to kill penalties well bringing in mark jankowski does that he logged more pk time than anybody else on the calgary flames there's a reason for that he's good at it and he can win draws at it evan rodriguez can win draws and kill penalties uh, there's a lot of different ways you can you know fix fix the power play but you brought in people to work on the PK, which was good anyway. Tristan Jari has to carry his weight, yep. obviously. Of course. Uh, Casey DeSmith has to be at least able to take 25 to, no kidding, 25 or so games. Yep, absolutely. He just does. He has to. He has to hold that. Is so. it a better team, though? There it is. Well, we're hoping that hockey starts up shortly. I know a lot of Penguins fans anxiously awaiting. Stick with us on Halftime Adjustments. We're seeing what's going on at DKPittsburghSports.com after the break. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Dan, what's going on? What's new at DKPittsburghSports.com? New is the fact that we have sporting events to cover. It still feels new at times. Being in the Heinz Field the other day with actual humans. Oh, my goodness. You so could hear different. things in the press box. So different, right? Oh. Uh, our football staff, we're proud of it. Dale Lawley is our main beat writer. Chris Carter does analysis. Uh, Ramon Foster, the former Steeler, does Ramon things <laughs> for us is the best way to put it. Uh, we put a lot of energy, a lot of resources into our football coverage. We're proud of it. We go everywhere the Steelers do. Uh, come check it out. As you should. It is fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Thank you for joining us on Halftime Adjustments. Have a great one.